think it's a lot like parenting, actually, in some regards. And not that I'm parenting my employees, my colleagues, anything like that. But I think in uh, parenting, I think it's important to have a few simple rules, repeat them often, you know, and be consistent. Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Hey there, folks. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. It is my distinct pleasure to chat with Joe Keeley, who is the CEO and co-founder of Justify. Joe, what's happening today? Not much. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, and then we'll jump into some questions about the money that's uh, right behind you. Excellent. So my name is Joe Keeley, and I am the co-founder and CEO of Justify, Justify Technologies. We are a payment provider for vertical SaaS platforms and fintech orchestration. Who I am beyond that, I've run a, a, a couple of different companies most notably a uh, a childcare platform that had about 10,000 employees. So I was remarkably unqualified to run a fintech orchestration platform. A couple of kiddos, a uh, wife, and I live in um, tropical Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that you were unqualified, but let's, if we look at that and we say, hey, the mission, the purpose of your company now, people are paying too much in transaction fees. Is that basically what I understand? Yeah. I mean, we, my partners had some really unique experience building a, a vertical platform. And what, what a vertical platform is, a software platform that a particular vertical might use. They were they provided software in the youth sports space. And what they found, what I think a lot of businesses have found, is that the payment processing and the fintech space is very sort of up in the clouds, perhaps on purpose. And, and we've sort of been lulled to sleep that a transaction should cost 3% of, of your uh, every time that you swipe it or run it on your in your company. And that becomes you know trillions and trillions of dollars. And what they found out is that number one, that's not the case. And number two, there is just tremendous potential that someone can unlock if they understand this sort of payment and fintech landscape, which is a word that's thrown around a lot. So we created Justify to from that experience. We created it to be different and better and to really accelerate the potential of other platforms that uh and, and hopefully do that in you know quarters, not years, because both my partners and I have had grew some other companies and after 15 to 20 years said there must be a better, faster way to do this. So uh, we're uh, we're sort of multi-time founders and entrepreneurs, and, and we're trying to uh, do things just a little bit smarter than we did the first time. That's awesome. So what are the similarities and what are the differences between running an established business like College Nannies versus a startup like Justify? What are your learning so far? Well, you know, certainly, I mean, when I was running College nannies, it was, uh, you know, I started it in a dorm room and then, you know, over time became an organization that 
was much larger than that at a couple hundred offices. And so di- certainly it went through the evolution and, and is different than a startup, but I'm actually bringing, retaining some of the startup, but bringing forward some of the more mature company practices that I kind of had to learn the hard way as my sort of grad, you know, my graduate degree uh, in business as I was running a company and just trying to bring those things earlier to the company. So, you know, whether that's being better capitalized earlier, you know, having understanding the importance of that balance sheet, understanding and not being afraid of going after and, and hiring top talent and letting them do what they're, what they need to do systems and processes that, you know, I think all too often, you know, there's, there's great innovation that can come from shooting from the hip, but there also is a need to have some structure in place. So those are the things that I tried to bring forward into the startup experience that maybe I just didn't know what I didn't know the first go around. Mm, That's awesome. Uh, So what, as a CEO, how do you like to think of your game? You know, like what's your strategy? How do you approach it? You know, what do you do as a CEO that you find like delivers you success consistently? Well, I think it's a lot like parenting actually in some regards and not that I'm parenting my employees, my colleagues, anything like that. But I think in uh, parenting, I think it's important to have a few simple rules, repeat them often you know, and be consistent. So then in the company, it's, you know, knowing where you are and being really clear, this is where we are. And then being clear of saying, this is where we're going to go and, and, and get alignment on that. And then, you know, encourage the team to ask the third and most important question there, which is what needs to happen for that to happen? And then ask it again, and then ask it again and ask it again. So where are we today? Where do we want to be? And what needs to happen for that to happen? You know, are essentially the pillars of strategy, I think, really boil down. You know, I get too much on my plate to try to live different, uh, remember more rules and, you know, have different ones at home than I do at the office. So that's why I draw the Coralow. And not just because I, I grew a pretty large childcare company prior to this, but uh, it seems to work. No, that's awesome. I mean, when we look at our strategic planning process, it is verbatim. Where are we now? Where we want to get to? We've since added what's going to get in the way. What do we need to do to get there? And how are we going to roll it out? But that's too many for most people to understand. So I like that that three-step process. As a CEO, obviously, the industry is different than in 2021, so almost 20 years later. Well, how would you say the marketplace is different when you first started your business in 2001 versus what you're seeing now in 2022 and beyond? Well, I think that just the tools available to, to startups today are just sort of astounding. Um, when you think about how has technology progressed in the last 20 years, I mean, it's the last 20 years is unlike any other 20 years, you know, and I'm sure the next 20 years will be the same as they say. So as I look at what did I want to do next, I wanted to be in sort of one of the biggest industries I could. I wanted to be in and around, you know, innovative technologies, and I wanted to help other entrepreneurs, small businesses, and, and hopefully, you know, do some some right in the world. So, you know, when we're providing payment infrastructure and helping platforms who in their own right are bringing technology to mom and pop businesses on Main Street, 
it's it's really truly amazing how things have progressed. So for example, you know, our customers today for Just Very, we we provide you know this infrastructure for vertical SaaS companies. So software as a service companies. If I run a youth sports league, I run a barber shop, I run a funeral home. They all have software specifically designed for them. These softwares are you know, CRM tools and inventory management and scheduling systems. So, you know, examples of that are, you know, there is Sports Engine or Team Snap for Youth Sports League. There are Mind Body for barbershops and Virago and things like that. There's even a software platform called Gather for funeral homes. So all of these technologies, you know, really didn't exist 20 years ago where I could start a business or take over my, you know, sleepy family run business and start inserting technology and have tools that would cost millions and millions of dollars to create before. I mean, I think, you know, shop of, you know, spinning up a Shopify store as an example, you know, so the technology that's available and, and not having to build it yourself is just so super astounding in terms of the speed in which someone can get to market and compete with some, you know, pretty big, companies that are out there. I think on the flip side, those big companies really need to think about, you know, wow, we can, we can get a, a competitor going after a little bit of our niche that gets spun up in a day or a week, you know, whereas that used to be a big moat, those barriers to entry for those uh, incumbents. Mm. Are you targeting the larger ones, the smaller ones, pretty much everybody that could see that would want to pay less than 3% on their transaction fees? Well, we we help uh, platforms actually make money on their payments, and we help platforms launch other tools in the fintech stack. So they, we help them sell insurance, embedded insurance, embedded lending, card issuing. You know, our our platform that we came from eighty five percent of the revenue came from embedded fintech and other products. So that's really the SaaS plus opportunity. So we are looking any if it's a vertical market, a software provider, you know, regardless of size, we're working with pre-revenue companies and we have companies that process billions and billions of dollars a year. So, you know, really we have a, a place for all of them because, you know, small com- small platforms can become big platforms pretty quickly. So we have a startup program specifically for those uh, those smaller newer ones where we're providing them some uh, no cost, really consulting of sorts too, because there's a lot of strategy that goes in this. You know, when when someone, uh, let's say, builds a software platform, this stuff can't be done only with an API. A lot of times, you know, you need to talk to someone who's been there, and that's something that we're bringing that I think is is lost. I think a lot of venture back tech companies think that they need to be only tech, and I think that having great tech is really important. And it's scalable, but you need to do things that aren't scalable too. And, you know, you need to bring energy and expertise and humans to the table and and people want to partner in that way. So that's where we've had some early success as well. Hey, Anthony here. One of the things I don't talk too much about on the podcast is what we do at SME Strategy. So I wanted to let you know that if you and your team are thinking about getting together, you know, this winter or even in the new year for strategic planning, 
then we'd be happy to have a conversation to see how we might be able to help your team walk through the strategic planning process and make sure that your people, your strategy, your culture are on the same page. One of the most exciting parts about the work that we do is being able to lead people through a proven process to help them get to where they want to go. If you're interested about that process, our video about it on YouTube just hit over a million views. So be sure to check that out. Let us know what you think. Uh, but most importantly, I wanted to let you know that if you are looking for somebody to partner with your team to support everybody in getting aligned, moving forward towards a clear set of goals and objectives, and really making sure that you have the foundations for that next stage of growth, that we can partner with you to do that whether that's through an offsite strategic planning session or you know follow-up support services to keep you accountable to help your team grow and develop or really to lead a full transformation so if you're interested check out smestrategy.net you can check out our about page our services page it'll tell you more about how we do things and i'd be happy to have a conversation with you to see if we're a good fit to help thanks so much i appreciate you listening to the podcast and now let's get back into the episode Cool. I think that's really neat. As a company perspective, you cannot compete with some of those bigger people. So you have to compete on like the wow factor. So what are you bringing in that is not scalable? Because that's where you can beat the people that have, you know, designed to scale. The other thing that I think is really cool is, uh, of course, the strategy, but Web2, where everybody was spinning up shop fronts and saying, hey, I have a store where I'm seeing the biggest opportunity in the future is platforms, platform economies. And I think if y'all do a really good job, which I'm sure you will, of acquiring the customer and then you're able to upsell, cross-sell, downsell, but serve uh, at, at the right thing. I think that's a really neat opportunity for uh, the platform to take advantage of that stuff that you do really, really well. You had mentioned big companies being wary of, or should be wary of small companies that might come in and take a slice, if not just a small one, of their pie because of their ability to move. Behind you, you have a, I don't know what it is, a 200 rupee note. And so as you sit, where you sit in Minneapolis and you look at the socioeconomic global perspective, how do you see the future of international markets and kind of global expansion now that technology has really leveled the platform for everybody or leveled the playing field for everybody? Yeah, I think that, I mean, it's just, Simply put, I mean, our, our world is a feels and a lot smaller even than it did just five years ago. So I think when you when you look at the impact that negative things in our world have, whether that's you know issues with you know Russia and Ukraine or you know supply chains um, and other things, it it we're all really interconnected. And I also think that one's ability to start a business and get up into business very quickly, the same sort of acceleration exists with someone's ability to go beyond borders. Because I, I, I you know, I think that, uh, you know, there's goods and services in the developing world that are wanted and needed in in the US, for example, you know, we talked to a platform just the other day that their entire business is bringing um, small lots of artisan goods to major retailers in uh, in the US and how one, you know, sources 
and bundles and ships. And yes, move this money is going to be particularly important. So, you know, platforms will become national way faster than they thought they would and global way faster than they would. So I think seeing around that corner is one thing that we try to do with platforms, you know, where every basis point may feel like it doesn't matter today because you're just building out your product and go to market, but you don't want to get locked into a single thread problem that then you have to undo later when you are scaling because every basis point really does matter at scale. And, you know, my partner's uh, company that they ran that we really are, are executing the playbook here at Justify was a vertical SaaS platform in the youth sports space. And when I tell folks, so they were providing software for youth sports organizations to run their leagues like T-ball and that sort of thing. When I tell folks that they were you know, really, really good at payment monetization and lending to the youth sports. So they're making money on the lending and selling registration insurance and cart and spend management. They said, wow, that's seemed at one hand, when you think about strategy, you could say that's like a distraction, that's shiny stuff. But when you look at the business, not as a software company providing their economic engine, that is not as, you know, the latest feature to help manage tryouts, but rather as monetization of all the funds that come in and the funds that go out. And then I tell you that they processed $4 billion a year in youth sports payments. People are like, wow. And then any parents listening know, well, yeah, that checks. I do spend an awful lot of money on my kids' youth sports. So I think the point is, is that thinking about and looking you know, into the future and at, you know, making good moves, which is, you know, good strategy, where do we want to be? And so that you don't have to, so that you can have room to run is really, really important. That could be international currencies. It could be next products, but so oftentimes we sort of go with the status quo just to kind of check the box, but it does have significant consequences. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, one of the biggest, like the most notable kind of story that I heard of in that space and that I know of that's easy for people to know is like the Starbucks app. And they're like, yeah, preload your card. Like, we'll, you know, hold your balance. So I've got a $20 balance with Starbucks and it'll stay there for a while. And then they will automatically deduct my PayPal. But they're holding like billions of dollars of equity that they're earning money on. And then if you look at like Avis or whatever, anytime you rent a car, you know, stuff flips over. So yeah, I just think it's cool. There's a lot of opportunity there. So last question for you, Web3, what do you see the future of of that being? The Web3 has its own, you know, curve that it's going to be on. But I think that there's even like a Web3-like world in payments and embedded fintech. So if we look back at some of the like, the venture firm, you know, quotes that have been put out there where, you know, a decade ago, software is eating the world. And now it's, you know, every company is a fintech company. And we talked a little bit about that. So we think about payments, like the first online web one equivalent would be, I'm able to conduct business online. Wow. You know, that's um, pretty, pretty impressive, actually, when you think back in the history. And then, you know, that's where PayPal came on the scene and, you know, all of those sort of things. And then web two of payments where we are today is this notion that 
someone other than Visa and MasterCard can participate in the monetization of of payments. So that's where you see a platform that charges market rate, where they're making their money on the arbitrage of payments. And we, we very much help platforms accomplish and get in the game. The web three of payments and embedded finance, and we love to talk about, you know, throw fintech around, where we think about like, what does that exactly mean? The web three of that is really where every company could harness the power of embedded finance. So that means that, you know, that's where you get some of these neo banks, you get some of these, you know, card issuing, and where if you take a full stack, of all of these tools and put them to work inside of one's platform or business, that's where all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself in the payments game and in the lending game and in the insurance issuing game and then the card issuing game and, you know, vendor management. And when you add up all of those basis points, it can be actually the main driver of economic value and in the platform. So that's pretty exciting because, you know, I think it's when we think about financial technology and just the movement of money, it has historically been reserved for the very, very few. And now this democratization of of that technology allows, you know, a startup platform to offer lending. Like that's kind of crazy to think about, but it is, it is here. It's the same way. If we look back on infrastructure where, you know, to get in the game of have a website and hosting servers, like it costs millions of dollars and had to have your own server farm. And now, you know, you can spin up a site and, you know, leverage, a variety of different hosting services from, you know, Amazon, you know, web services and others in in a matter of moments. So, you know, I think when we think about more of the true web three, that's what it's doing as well. It's, it's, it's democratizing and making it more accessible, which I, I think really allows for startup entrepreneurs to compete in a very, very meaningful way, much, much faster in, than they have been able to in the past. Cool. Uh, for uh, like one book I really, really enjoyed, I had read several years ago was The Ascent of Money and understanding how the construct of money currency gets created and uh, history tends to repeat itself. So I'm sure that there's lessons from there in the future. Uh, just one of the things that jumped out to me as you were sharing that is like the impact on small town credit unions and banks. Do you see that industry being being disrupted or do you see the flip side, which it'll enable them to have an even greater scope where they could provide a wider breadth of services because they're not limited to their geography or a bit of both? I think it's probably both. It's 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 how you decide to participate or not participate in it. You know, I think that for some, like if you're serving leading, bleeding edge customers, then you probably need to have crypto earlier on your roadmap. But, you know, I don't agree with, you know, crypto fanatics that say, look, credit union in, you know, Northwest, North Dakota, if you're not offering this, you're going to die on the vines. Like, no, there <laughs> actually are a lot of people that want to go in and have a relationship and conduct business in that way. So I think it's really about understanding your customer, solving real problems and add real value to them and just try to stay a step or two ahead of that. And it's where folks trying to be, you know, everything to everyone or, you know, lose focus of where their 
unique ability is where they can get distracted from what I call shiny stuff. Yeah, I find that fascinating. My most recent experience with a, a, a type of platform was we're going through the process of hiring our first U.S. facilitator. So instead of setting up a shop in the U.S., we're setting up through an employer of record. Well, that employer of record then offers our health benefits through there. So not only are they collecting our payroll, holding that money on, transferring it around, they're collecting our insurance, holding that money, moving it around, and then they're redistributing it for a fee to the employee. And then in that, they can also, you can pay by bank, ACH, whatever, and crypto. And you can do it in percentage. So if you wanted to like slice off little tranches to where you put your money, and I just think it's fascinating that they're taking that financial platform model and then banking and, and and leveraging it to the tune of, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars. So uh, the, the possibilities are are endless there. And then I think it will just begin to see what that looks like as you had given a couple examples earlier. As we wrap up, what is something that you're kind of on the edge of for yourself that's challenging you, that you're super engaged in? Maybe you haven't solved it yet and you're just like working it through in your brain that's like really exciting you and engaging you, you know, potentially above and beyond the work that you're doing at Justify. Hmm. Well, I I am uh, engaged in hand-to-hand combat, combat every day in the adventure in, in parenting, frankly. I have a... Uh, I have a... 12-year-old and a nearly 17-year-old. And specifically with the 17-year-old, you know, we are, uh, you know, navigating the college admissions process. So we're jumping on airplanes and looking at colleges and trying to help my daughter build a, a business funnel, as I tell her, you know, and we're doing this in a landscape that the whole college admission process is very different. Test optional is a very, you know, the rules are sort of the goalposts are getting moved. So so that's something personally that I'm digging into and, you know, trying to enjoy the process. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, you're, we're trying to find the right fit for for our, our daughter. And so that's been a lot of fun. Cool. I, I like that. One of the, as a new parent myself, one of my coaches says, you know, you're good at certain things and you suck as a parent. Not because you suck, but because you've never had to deal with it before. So this is a new thing. You've never had to deal with it before. And you have to go through the, the disruption or discomfort of learning how to do it. Uh, universities, another great option where they could create a platform economy. So if you know a university, tell them you know a guy. Uh, Joe, how can people uh, learn more about you? How can they connect with what you're doing? How can they uh, help your kid get into a university that they like or uh, become a customer of Justify? Excellent. I'm on LinkedIn and also, um, you know, it's justify, it's J-U-S-T-I-F-I dot A-I. And um, we're, we're really looking forward to having more, you know, terrific conversations with platforms that, you know, are, you know, fintech curious, like how can they leverage the value of their ecosystem and, and use that power of those tools that are out there? Because they are, it is complicated and it can be expensive, but it doesn't have to be. So um, that's really why we created Justify. We don't, we think that as chosen by our name, there are some things that aren't right out there in the, you know, payment processing and the financial world. And, and we wanna we wanna make it just a, a little bit better and accelerate the potential of those platforms that we work with. So appreciate being on today and uh, you know, thanks so much. 
Absolutely, Joe. It's been my pleasure. And and to our listeners, uh, fortunately, I've had a longer than average relationship with Joe and every single conversation I've had with him. Uh, he's always curious. He's always looking at challenging, but he's also a straightforward shooter. So I can usually tell the caliber of a company by their CEO. So I highly recommend you check it out if you are fintech curious, because I think we're on the early stages of it. And I think that there's nothing but potential there. So Joe, thank you for being here. Thanks for being a friend. And I just really appreciate the time today. Thank you. Folks, this has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. I appreciate you watching. I appreciate you sticking it with us. Uh, I just appreciate who you are. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.